Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We will eat both your arms and then both of your legs and then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a bird in the wind. What the hell are you? We are Venom. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Playlist Podcast, the podcast where we discuss film news, film reviews, or any other pertinent to pop culture items. I'm Ryan Oliver and today I'm joined by our managing editor, Charles Barfield. Once again, how are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. I'm happy to have you back on the show. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Uh, The show is part of the Playlist Podcast Network. So if you like this show, um, please subscribe to our feed. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. Uh, You'll get access to this. Oh, excuse me. You'll get access to this as well as adjust your tracking, as well as indie beat, uh, over under movies, and um, please just drop us a line. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, let us know what we're doing right, what we can improve on. Uh, we really like to hear any and all feedback, good or bad, doesn't matter. Uh, so with the housekeeping out of the way, um, what are we here to talk about today? Venom. <laughs> Venom. The the <laughs> most anticipated movie of of all time. Uh, <laughs> For some people, sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because this movie, um, you know, I guess to, 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 you know, get a little bit of, like, backstory, this movie was in the works for, I mean, at least 10 years. Um, I want to say, was it after Spider-Man 3 that they were, like, mulling over doing a, a Venom spinoff movie? Was that when that started, or was that going on even before that movie came out? You know, I don't know exactly before. I know that Venom was something that they were desperate to get into Spider-Man 3 um, because of his popularity. So it would not surprise me if they were, you know, trying to get that Venom movie going even before. Right. And it's kind of like infamously known that Sam Raimi didn't want anything to do with that character. And Sony wanted him to put it in the movie. And and I've long suspected that that's why he cast Hofer Grace to completely troll the fact that he, <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. That was just my that's my long uh, suspicion about uh, that. But any but the movie's been anticipated for a long time. Uh, it's been in the works for I- at least, you know, probably 10 years and it's Venom is arguably the most popular Spider-Man villain. Um, I I don't know. I mean, you you know a little bit more about this than than I do. Would would you say that's probably the case? Uh, yeah. Um, I think if you talk to Spider-Man comic book fans, they would disagree. But I mean, you see Venom merchandise even before this movie. Like as a pop culture icon, Venom is much bigger than Green Goblin or Doc Ock. So. Oh, absolutely. Like I would remember in the in the days of of going to Hot Topic and they would have like the comic book uh, shirt. So like you'd have the Spider-Man shirt uh, with like his, his design. And then you'd have the Venom one with like the white spider looking deal over black. Like you, you would just see people with those shirts. Um, So, so he is, he is a really popular character and, and Sony decided that that was worth uh, making a spinoff movie, um, which I do think is a little odd to have Venom's origin without Spider-Man's involvement. <laughs> For sure. That um, that was when people found out that A, a Venom movie was being made and that it wouldn't include Spider-Man. Um, the first thing that everybody said was, how do you make a Venom movie without Spider-Man? Um, they did it. <laughs> right. You can argue whether it was good enough or not, but they, they did it. And so. they, they drastically, to my knowledge anyway, because uh, a friend of mine kind of told me the origin of, of him, him in the comics, that um, they they drastically kind of changed the sort of outcome of his origin in this movie. Like, they um, – I mean, the outcome's still the same. Like, symbiotes come to Earth by whatever the means is and attaches himself to reporter Eddie, Eddie Brock. But, um, but they did kind of change – Obviously, they had to change it because Spider-Man's involvement isn't in it, and Peter Parker's sort of role in Eddie Brock's life is not 
even touched upon in this movie. Um, but I feel like we're getting maybe a little too ahead of ourselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. Talk about... I was about to. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. uh, if we want to get into it, that's that's definitely spoilery. Because I will I will tell you more about that. But yeah, needless to say, they had to make changes for sure. So um, so let's just dive into the movie itself. It's here. Uh, it's directed by Reuben Flesher of Zombieland fame is is his biggest movie and best movie to this date uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah he's also did 30 minutes or less in gangster squad which you know might pop up through this conversation uh and and of course it stars tom hardy as eddie brock slash venom also stars michelle williams uh riz ahmed uh jenny slate uh there's a lot of good cast in this movie but i will i will just ask you straight up um as a, as a comic book fan uh, as i assume a spider-man fan um were you a fan of this movie and did it live up to even the most, uh, let's say modest of expectations? Uh, because I think a lot of people, you know, we saw first footage of this movie and heard it was being made. There weren't a lot of high hopes for it, but I'm sure, you know, there's still an optimism towards it. And so I'm wondering if it, if it lived up to any of those modest expectations. Well, that's interesting. Um, (laughs) If, if anybody, listening to this has read anything I've written about this movie. And I've written a lot about this movie. Um, it has been mostly negative. Um, granted I hadn't seen a frame of it for most of that, but, uh, you're right. Everything leading up to it outside of the cast, which is incredible on paper, Mm -hmm. but everything leading up to it was, you know, like, Oh really? No Spider-Man. Oh, not with the MCU. Oh, this is Sony with no Marvel studio. Like it just, it didn't really work, and my expectations were very low. Um, the trailers didn't do it any favors. Um, the odd marketing didn't do it any favors. Um, so going into it, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be this is going to be complete garbage." And surprisingly, I found it enjoyable. Um, I found it enjoyable in the way that I find um, the bad horror movies enjoyable, or uh, you know, my odd '80s action film. Um, you have fun watching it. There are laughs to be had, whether you're laughing at it or with it. Um, there's some decent acting, um, from, from Hardy, especially, uh, the, the, the spectrum of acting, unfortunately goes from very, very bad to Tom Hardy. So, um, (laughs) that's, (laughs) it's hard to explain without again, spoiling it, but yeah, the acting's okay. The jokes are there. The action is, Eh, it's okay. Um, but overall, because of my like low expectations, I think I, I enjoyed this a lot more and I was going to going into it. So nice. And, and I think, uh, you know, you're, I, I'm hearing a lot in, in the circles that we run around that, um, you know, you're not the only person with that sentiment. I I've read a lot of people who have enjoyed it on that, on that level of just like, you know, my expectations were really low. Uh, there's a lot of fun to be had at this movie, whether it's intentional or unintentional or not. Um, for me, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just to, to just to put a pin on that, I I just wanted to to say I hate when people say that. By the way, I think it's a cop out to say like, oh, you turn your brain off for a movie, right? Like you yes. shouldn't ever have to turn your brain off for a movie. Um, so going into it, even hearing that beforehand, I was like, oh, no. But I, I'm telling you, there was there's something to it with this movie, um, and we can get into it more. But yeah. I, I, I kind of came around to that idea that this is kind of just dumb fun um, as long as you don't take it too seriously. Totally. And I, I'm right there with you. I do hate that phrase, but also like I'm not one to talk because like my enjoyment of like dumb schlock knows really mm. no bounds. So it, it but it, but it is like a personal taste thing. Um, also, and, and also just a, a personal thing is I'm always learning from each movie I watch, whether it's good or bad. Like, I, I feel like there's something to take away from it. And so you're not even really shutting your brain off. You're still engaged with it. You're just not, um, you know, even even if it's bad, like it's still engaging and you're not shutting shutting your brain off. Um, I I didn't quite have that experience with this movie. I <laughs> But I will say, I mean, what I will say is good um, is... Tom Hardy, number one, he he fully commits to the role to both Venom and Eddie Brock. Um, whatever movie he is in, I wanted to just see that movie, and it, but it's juxtaposed with a really like vanilla ass origin story, uh, and that's where the movie is like. It it's it was just mostly dull. I think there is some fun to be had. Uh, there are moments that I enjoyed of this movie, but 
I just I, I got bogged down in just kind of how rough everything else in the movie is. But I also the other thing that I've been hearing a lot is like it's a disaster. It's a like Catwoman Green Lantern level disaster. And I don't think that either, <laughs> to be honest. I think it's just kind of a kind of a routine and not very well made uh origin story with a pretty like live wire uh lead performance in it. That's a hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, your enjoyment of this movie, you will find out within the first 15 minutes, because yes. if you are in, if you are into what Tom Hardy is doing on screen, you will enjoy every scene with him in it. Um, if you are disgusted by Tom Hardy's performance, then you're in for a, a rough two hours. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I will say his, his rough Brooklyn accents in the movie. Um, I will say in the cartoonish scheme of things, it worked better than in something like, say, The Drop, uh, where he also had a Brooklyn accent, which it was not a bad movie, but like, you know, a serious crime drama. And I'm like, oh, this accent, this Brooklyn accent is not not particularly good. But here it here it didn't bother me so much because I'm just like this. This movie is basically a Saturday morning cartoon as it is. So. Why not just roll with it? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess, like, yeah. I, I don't have a whole lot, like, base level to say. I think it's... I, I just think it's a pretty, like, rough... Like I said, rough origin story. Rough action, as you mentioned. Um, I, I think it's weird, because I think Zombieland has a pretty good take on the action in the movie. And it uses it to, like, maximum comedic effect. But, like, between this and Gangster Squad, uh, like, Ruben Flesher just really doesn't have a hold on how to construct an action sequence. And I also think he doesn't really have a good hold on his performers either, like, outside of a outside of a, a straight-up comedy. Because you look at Gangster Squad, you look at the cast of that movie, and you had, like, Sean Penn and Ryan Gosling and Josh Brolin, and, and it just kind of leaves them hanging out to dry. And other than Tom Hardy in this movie, I kind of feel that about like Michelle Williams and Riz Ahmed that they they kind of just they kind of just get hung out to dry a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree completely with that. Here's what I'll say: um, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head with with Flysher. I think he doesn't. You hear this term that there are like directors that are like actors directors that kind of just let the actor kind of dictate what's going on. And I think that's exactly what happened here. I think Tom Hardy came in with a plan. He came in 100 percent committed. He had an idea. He had a tone in mind and he executed that. Um, Jenny Slate, Riz Ahmed, uh, Michelle Williams, people like that were kind of like, OK, I'm, I'm in a comic book movie. Um, I guess I just read the lines. And and that came across in the movie um, where Michelle Williams is an Academy Award nominated actress, one of the best ones working. And for some reason, she just is a shell of a person in this movie. I don't understand it. It's it almost doesn't make sense. Um, Riz Ahmed, same thing. Great actor has done big budget stuff before. But for some reason, just really phones it in, it feels like. Um, and and Ginny Slate is just mind-boggling. Like, I don't understand why they cast her at all. Um, but, yeah, I just – it's it's one of those things where I think Fleischer just kind of lets the actors do whatever and has no uh, control, it felt like, because some of the actors were, were really trying to ham it up, mainly Tom Hardy, whereas some of them were playing this, like, super serious role, and then some were just dull. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's really weird for, like, the t- the tone of the movie is, it's it's all over the place, and and, and once again, I think, I, you know, to reiterate what I had, I think, said earlier, and what you hinted at, too, is just, like, whatever movie Tom Hardy was doing is the movie <laughs> that, like, I just, I just want to watch that. I just want to watch him riff with himself for <laughs> 90 minutes, and um, I feel like there was another uh, point I wanted to make. Oh, speaking of, like, the action, too, um, and how sh- this movie shot by Matthew Libatique, who's, like, one of our best working cinematographers. And, like, you can hardly tell what's even happening in this movie in the action right. sequences. Like, it's really, really dark. It's really kind of, like, cumbersome. And granted, some of that is the editing, too. It's really choppy. But uh, it's it's... Like it looks really rough. It just it doesn't look like somebody who has a strong as strong an eye as uh, Libatique does that it that it would look this this kind of choppy. 
Yeah, just to add on to that, um, I when I was watching it, I remember a scene in particular with uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, this isn't a spoiler. It's just a scene that happens. Tom Hardy visits um, an apartment. He's standing on the outside and you see like the hill and you see the buildings in the background. And it looks it's pretty well composed. And you're like, oh, this is San Francisco. But then that's one scene. The rest of the scenes, it could have been any city. The setting is hardly ever um made a point of showing uh sometimes it's in the forest for some reason i don't know where this is exactly you're <laughs> it's it's very difficult with the with the editing to know what's going to happen what's going to happen and i will cut him some slack and, and the same with fleischer too with these movies especially these comic book movies um the action is made almost before the filming even begins, right? Like right. everything is previsd out. Um, stunt coordinators are telling you what you can and can't do. You know, you're you're kind of handcuffed for a bit. But uh, having characters that are completely CGI means that a lot of times you're just trying to hide the faults. And we saw this in uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the Transformers movies, but those Michael Bay Transformers movies, the action is is a low point because it's just CGI monsters fighting each other. And it, it doesn't have any weight to it. It's hard to decipher what's going on. And and Venom has that same exact issue. Right. And sadly, yes, I've seen all five of those Transformers <laughs> movies. Um, but that's that's for another podcast someday. Maybe. We'll see. But um, yes, that's that is the tough thing is is and and, and it makes it even a bummer is when you ha- hand uh, hire these talented cinematographers where that's like you, they don't really get to show off what they can actually do because everything is all pre-visualized everything's already kind of designed for them they just have to like you said hide the faults that's a good way to put it so that that was disappointing um and yeah the the, the action is choppy as we mentioned the the actors the acting is weird but I, I will yeah I'm but I'm there with you like what Tom Hardy is doing in this movie and and I want to ask if you have any other uh, thoughts before we move into spoilers uh, I don't have a, a lot but if there's anything you wanted to mention before we get into that yeah I I, I really want to again the, it's hard because uh, you don't want to harp on the same things over and over again but the movie really does. Uh, rest on Tom Hardy's shoulders. And for the most part, he does very well. And you just can't help but be disappointed as a film fan that people like Riz Ahmed, Jenny Slate, and Michelle Williams just don't show up. Um, that's just my big takeaway is that they hired this great cast. And and Michelle Williams, like I, again, I'm just shocked. Michelle Williams, you know, came down to their level to do this movie and just phoned it in totally unbelievable and it may and it could be direction too that's the other tough thing too is like yeah they weren't given a lot to do maybe they were you know because i I think of like you know to go back to another fleischer film like i think a gangster squad which did did you happen to see that movie by chance Uh, i came when it came out but i haven't revisited it (laughs) yeah don't i mean don't like it's it's bad (laughs) I, i saw it when it came out as well but like i remember like that movie too where you had all these terrific actors phoning it in and you had like I wouldn't necessarily say it was a good performance, but like what Sean Penn was doing in that movie as like, like he was so like over the top and cartoonish and, and it was like, like this movie, like a movie at war with itself kind of where like, where like Sean Penn, I think that like Ruben Flesher and the rest of the actors were trying to make like LA confidential and they Mm -hmm. weren't doing a great job. And Sean Penn was like, I'm going to be in the untouchables. Like I'm going to be the De Palma (laughs) movie, like the, the lurid kind of like crazy over the top movie. And, uh, and it just like, it just butted heads with each other on top of like the writing being quite poor and and all stuff like this. And it kind of reminds me a lot of this movie where it's like, okay, it's a like, pretty routine origin story not a lot there's not a lot of legwork to make you um organically feel the things that are happening there's a lot a lot of dialogue that's just telling you what you're supposed to feel and and what's supposed to happen at any given time we'll we'll hit on that more later yes there's a ton of exposition oh god yes but then but then again you have you have hardy over here who's just like i i have a vision as an actor for where i want to take this character and I'm just mm-hmm. going to roll with it. And they just let him do it, which is awesome. And it's the soul saving grace of this movie. But it just it just weirdly clashes with everything else around it. That's so like kind of dour and and uninteresting. And so it's 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 strange. And, um, you know, I 
I always root for the filmmaker. I do, but um, I, I I have to quote something that Rod said recently, and I think it was on Twitter uh to the effect of like you know think think of all the uh think of all the female filmmakers who basically went to director's jail after one movie and i think he used karen kusama as an example after aeon flux and he's like you know ruben flesher's had three three whiffs three pretty pretty big whiffs in a row and maybe maybe it's time for the maybe it's time for the handcuffs basically is is what he said so no i agree I, there's yeah yeah a missed opportunity for sure here definitely but you do have a performance and you do have a and if the movie does well uh and uh you know and we'll get in spoilers but if the you know if a, a follow-up were to happen you know, you'd at least have this performance that, you know, they could build upon and maybe tweak some things and actually make a good movie out of it. Like, there's there's not a lack of potential here. Uh, they just need to go with the stuff that works. Yeah, and, and just a, a final thought on, on what you just said. There, By the end of this movie, there is a glimmer of hope that there is help on the way if they do a sequel. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Just, it just needs a better script and basically to be like, okay, whatever Tom Hardy's doing, we got to get on his level and you'll probably have kind of a cool movie um, mm-hmm. out of that. So hopefully that happens. Cause it, it's uh, it, yeah, it's not, um, I guess before my last thought is just to reiterate what I mentioned earlier. The movie's not a disaster. I, I think that's, I mean, to each their own. I think that's a little hyperbolic. Uh, it's not a particularly good movie, but, Again, we at least have Tom Hardy, who's just having a ball, relishing the scenery, and uh, and, and he's he's the sole shining light in this otherwise pretty pretty dull dull origin story. Agreed. All right, should we swing into some spoilers? What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. So, spoilers for Venom starting right now. Yeah, actually, I'm just about to watch it now, Jack. I have already seen it. <laughs> Uh, at the end, there's a very unusual twist. Oh! Oh, no! Oh, no, I know there's a twist! I'm going to spend the whole film guessing what it is! So, I, I, where, where, do you want to, where do you want to start with the spoilers? Should we, should we start at the post-credit scene? Should we start at the beginning? Um, what, are you, what are you I, thinking? I think, let's, let's just flesh out more of what we were saying there. I think uh, Michelle Williams is given a role that should have been given to some other uh, actress that's a no-name up-and-comer because she has nothing to do except for one scene where she gets to be she-venom and the crowd erupts and then she quickly goes away only to, you know, play with sounds later on. Um, and Riz Ahmed. <laughs> oh, my God, His dude. performance <laughs> is unbelievable. Uh, I think they're trying to make him like Elon Musk. Um, that's who, exactly who I thought of. <laughs> I'm guessing that's what it was. But even Elon Musk has a ton more charisma than Riz Ahmed um, in this movie, I should say. Riz Ahmed is a talented actor, mm-hmm. uh, a good entertainer. But for some reason, he plays it so serious that it just every time he comes on screen, it's either for exposition or for him to do like a – uh, you know, what would be a mustache twirling sort of line that he delivers in this dull monotone that is just, it takes, it sucks all the life out of the movie for that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and Jenny Slate, uh, bad casting for her. She's a great actress who just didn't belong in this movie. Um, and yeah. Which is, crazy, know, what you... which is crazy given like her comedic chops and like the yeah. kind of comedy that, the physical comedy that Tom Hardy's going for in this movie. And it's just like, you have Jenny Slate who's terrific. Like why wouldn't you utilize what she could bring to the project instead of her having to be the sort of like, uh, yeah, the, the, the person who, uh, yeah, she has no function really either (laughs) other than to just be like, Oh, I'm the scientist who believes in this person. Oh wait, this person's evil. Okay. never mind. I believe Eddie brought like, and that whole thing is like, it's like we mentioned in the non-spoiler section of like the stuff that is just telling you how you're supposed to feel, telling you exactly what's happening, telling you that, um, you know, and, and also like 
<laughs> so Eddie Brock's boss at one point, there's a perfect line to describe Let me Let character. me just stop you right there because I'm looking at IMDb right now and because I, I was going to mention this guy as well. And IMDb doesn't even have his character name. And I had to think in my head, is he even mentioned by name? No, he's not. He's just... He's just boss. Boss, he's yeah. He's just his journalist boss. He's barely in the movie. He's in it for a second. <clears throat> but he says something to the effect of, you know, for a smart guy, you're really quite a dumbass. And he, before he even says that, that's how I kind of felt. I'm like, well, yeah, he's going off this, like, you know, he says, like, you know, did you have, uh, what's your source? Is any of this founded when he, he kind of calls Riz Ahmed's yeah. character out for all this, uh, like, hanky stuff, which does turn out to be true. But again, like, a good journalist would have their source. Like, they would not yeah. bring any of that up. And so it's just like, it's the movie didn't have a good reason to propel the drama. So they just come up with nonsense. And it's, it's really quite ridiculous and and yes anytime Riz Ahmed is in another scene he's like you said straightforward would be mustache twirling if it weren't for the fact that he's so monotone and he's like I'm gonna be like the sneaky sneaky sinister like I'm gonna be charismatic on top but really be evil but you don't even really get that you're like yeah this guy's evil from minute one like there there's none of that um yeah, I, want... I don't even understand how he runs a company. Like, if you want to look at, like, the this is a, a larger thing. If that guy is a CEO of a, one of the biggest, you would assume, one of the biggest companies in the world, like, how? Right. <laughs> he seems so over-the-top evil that, like, people would be able to see that a mile away. Like, there's something wrong with this guy. Exactly. That goes with, like, my Saturday morning cartoon, like, mention. Like, it's exactly what that is. And then I want to go back to the She-Venom moment. I like <sighs> It's bad, but I wanted more. Like I like, I like the weird. Like when she, when shit gets weird, I'm like, be weird with this movie. Like it is like I don't want to say obscure because Venom is is obviously super popular as we mentioned, but like you you have a chance here to take some risks with this character. So just be weird. So the moment she Venom makes out with uh, with Eddie Brock to pass the parasite back, I was like, I was like back in the movie for a brief second. I was like, this is fucking weird. I'm on board. Um, and I wanted to bring up. Um, I mentioned this uh, in our email correspondence, but uh, it reminded me a lot of the movie Brain Damage, uh, which is a 1988 film by Frank Henenlotter, who made Basket Case, and. Uh, Basically, the premise of that movie is there's a little it's like a little alien creature who finds himself attached to like a milk toast guy uh, who like implants him with this like euphoric drug fueled feeling. Um, but in exchange, he needs brains to, to survive. Right. So he's going out and like, you know, using this body as a host to go out and kill people and eat their brains. And I'm like, wow, this movie is this movie actually riffing on this Frank Henenlotter movie? Because if so, big kudos to them for, for doing so. But I wished it, I wish it pushed it further. I wish it got really weird with the premise, but I also get their, they want to build this like, you know, universe with these Spider-Man villains. So I, I guess I understand, but it's, it's a, uh, you know, they, they they had a chance to get weird, and they they do it in in stretches. They do it in little little glimmers of weirdness. And I think uh, I think you mentioning the the year that came out with is is kind of significant because I I don't know the exact date, but I want to say like eighty nine ninety is when Venom kind of became a thing. Oh. Um, so this could have been um, the comic riffing on the movie, which was then adapted into this movie. So it was kind of, you know, a, a six degrees of separation sort of thing between brain damage and the 2018 Venom movie. So. It could be. There definitely could have been something that, that seeped in there. Um, it, it would be it would be hard to especially if, you, if you've seen the movie, like it's really hard to be like, oh, that like to not notice the the parables to that. <laughs> um uh, what else? I I mean, to, to, to just to reiterate more on Hardy, I mean, because he's the, the thing worth talking about most in the movie, like the scenes of just pure physicality, like the physical comedy in this movie. I didn't think he not that I th didn't think he could do that, but just we've never really seen that from him before. Um, but he nails it. And it almost makes sense because he is such a like a physical actor. I mean, especially if you look at like you know his other comic book movie the dark knight rises where it's like so much of that is like his brooding physique um his imposing physique and like how he has to act with his eyes 
with that grill over his face. And he, you know, he was able to pull that off. But the, the, the sheer amount, like, the scene, maybe my favorite scene in the movie, this movie, is is when uh, he visits Michelle Williams and, and her new uh, uh, love interest at the, <laughs> the restaurant. And he just starts freaking out on people. And you hear Venom saying, like, you know, like like Venom is choosing what to eat. He's, like, looking at somebody at another yeah. table. And he's just like, no. And then <laughs> looks over at someone else. And is just like, oh, this just... <laughs> Then he ends up in the lobster tank. And it's like, it's just like shit like that where I'm like, God, he is going for it. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, because it, I, you, yeah, I oh, go ahead. no, nothing. I just, I, I appreciate that for sure. Yeah. I, I, when I was watching this, I was thinking there was something like I thought familiar about the way Hardy was portraying this. And I was thinking back to his roles and, and, you know, he's always he's got this uh, reputation for taking odd acting choices to, to roles. And um, the first one I actually saw him in was Bronson. Yeah. Um, and in that movie, he is really out there and, and really doing some crazy stuff. And I saw bits of that in this where this is probably like the closest thing I think I've seen to, to Bronson from him uh, in a weird way since mm-hmm. um, because he's allowed just to kind of run with it. Uh, you can tell a lot of his scenes are improv. Um, you can tell that the physical comedy he commits a hundred percent to uh, the, the first moment where Venom says, Eddie, he like flies back into the shower and I don't know about when you saw it, but the crowd like erupted when that happened, when I was watching it, because it was this sudden moment of comedy when everybody was like, Oh, this is what it's going to be. And, and from then on, you know, everything with Eddie and Venom was, was really great. Yes. That like the buddy dynamic between them is the saving grace of this movie like that. And Mm, and Hardy's physical presence. Um, I'm glad he brought up Bronson because it, it, like it reminds me there's literally that scene in Bronson where he's addressing the camera and he has the, uh, split. He has like the, the sad clown or like the clown Mm -hmm. like makeup on one half and then his normal face on the other. And he's flipping back and forth in front of the camera to tell the story. Um, and it's incredible. And yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, that movie's awesome, and for anyone listening, if you haven't seen Bronson, please do yourself a favor. <laughs> Go out and watch this movie. It, and it's unbelievable because it's based on a true story. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> but, we could talk about Bronson another time. But, yeah, it's it's an incredible movie. It is. And, and, and uh, so, yeah, like, so he's – that duality is great. Um, that moment for sure. And, and then I think it was coupled with the moment right after where he's just like – hungry where like venom is hungry and so he's like he's like eating raw tater tots out of the bag <laughs> he's eating like a half-eaten uh roasted chicken out of the garbage can and like i think that was a moment where you could like and i don't know if it was the same in yours but that was a moment where i could feel the audience like really getting on board the movie like i could feel people being like okay i think i'm on this movie's wavelength um, well, unfortunately, the movie starts with the, uh, an overly long uh, cold open with like a spaceship and a crash and aliens and death. And and you're like, wow, this is dark and serious. And it's not until um, that that moment with Eddie. I mean, there are a couple moments with Eddie and um, I forgot her name, but Anne Michelle Williams. Uh, there are a couple moments where there's a little bit of comedy there, but for the most part, you're like, man, this movie's pretty serious. And then it's once Venom shows up on the screen, which I want to say is probably like 30 minutes, maybe more into the movie, mm-hmm. uh, then you're finally all in on it. Absolutely. Um, but it's it's a rough go at the beginning. It is, yeah, because all that stuff, like, you know, because kind of what we've mentioned before is like all that stuff is really dull and quite mundane and so you have to sit through a lot of that stuff. The other thing I wanted to mention and I noticed, and I unfortunately haven't seen the movie so i can't really comment but the the spaceship and the whole um riz ahmed's trying to like uh earth's becoming inhabited uninhabitable so he's trying to find life on another planet the ship and the project is called like the life project wasn't that movie life like rumored at one point to be like a venom tie-in i i just i I haven't seen life unfortunately i just haven't gotten to it but i when i saw that i'm like huh is i i remember that because i have unfortunately not seen life so we're just talking about something that we've never seen but uh i remember when that came out i think i don't think it was rumored that it was supposed to be i think people watched it and were like man this would be a great origin story for venom um and and yeah i don't know if 
if that's actual truth or not. But I, I yeah. don't either, and unfortunately, neither of us can really speak to that. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, but I noticed that, at, like you know, because the, the from my understanding is the movie itself doesn't really explicitly say anything to not paint itself into a corner. But you, know, when I saw that ship, like the first shot of the movie is that ship coming to earth and then it, it going out in flames and it's like in the very front of the ship just says life in very big letters yeah. and i'm like huh okay now i need to go back and watch this movie i guess and and see um oh i feel like what else i was gonna say the... i will say about that spaceship scene since we're on it uh there's a very cool easter egg for for comic book nerds um the surviving a uh, member of the space crew that is then ultimately killed by by riot is uh, referred to as Jameson. Um, that is uh, in comic book canon, at least. That is the son of J. Jonah Jameson, which is the very famous Spider-Man um, character, is the boss of Peter Parker at the at the newspaper he works at. So that's actual comic book canon, and and pretty cool that they did that as kind of a nod. Um, one of the very few nods to uh, to Spider-Man. Don't go in there expecting um, allusions to Spider-Man. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I was going to ask when you said Jameson, I was like, oh, does that have to? Okay, so it does have to do with J. Jonah Jameson in, in some way. That was the other thing I wanted to ask you as somebody who who knows this stuff a little bit more than I do is that so Riot is Riot a character? Is he a character that has existed in like previous iterations of Venom? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a OK. <laughs> it's a pretty deep cut in the sense that Venom and Carnage are the the number one and number two symbiotes that are, are mentioned in the comic books. Um, from there, they've had probably a dozen or more um, that have had little story arcs here and there. It's always kind of the go to Venom story is for him to fight other aliens. Um, so, yeah, Riot, I'm not super familiar with uh the character, but it's yeah, kind of one of those that if they didn't want to use Carnage, it's probably the next one in line to use. Got it. Okay, I I just didn't know because um you know as as somebody who I, I think I maybe even mentioned earlier, someone who really only knows the animated series and like the video games and the the uh, feature films, I I only know Venom and Carnage. <laughs> those are the only two yeah, that I yeah. know. So I was I was just curious, and then. Uh, God, man, talk about a cumbersome uh, buildup to Riot is like the ship lands <laughs> and then like uh, one of the astronauts survives and then he passes it on to a medic and then that medic passes it on to another woman and then that woman passes an it older on to lady. Little, yeah, an older lady. And then that older lady passes on to a girl who ends up in San Francisco inexplicably. Like and then she, Oh, an eight-year-old girl, by the way. Yes, an eight-year-old girl. Well, well, not only that, like, who's running security at Riz Ahmed's, like, she just walks right in. Like, it was a huge okay. ordeal for Jenny Slate and um, and Eddie Brock to, like, sneak in and where Eddie Brock gets the parasite. Uh, or, I guess, I shouldn't call him a parasite. He gets upset about that. Um, but when he gets Venom, uh, so, like, that's a whole, like, ordeal. And then, like... <laughs> this eight-year-old girl just walks into the facilities and goes up to Riz Ahmed and passes on Riot to him. And I'm just like, what? I would assume, I would assume that there's a scene that we're missing where she just slaughters a dozen security guards on the way in. Um, and, and that would have been something to see for sure. But yeah. Uh, so this whole Riot thing really bothered me because it was clearly just a series of obstacles, literal obstacles, to prevent the third act from happening, right? Mm -hmm. So the movie could have been over had Riot been collected like the other specimens and Riz Ahmed gets Riot and then, you know, the movie's over in a half hour. But instead they had to drag it out for two hours. So they have this relay race that is so weird that it, it every time it's on screen, you're like, what is going on? And to mention the little girl again, so this old lady just finds herself in an airport, and I guess she knows that she needs to get to San Francisco, finds a girl that she thinks is going to San Francisco, passes it on in the bathroom, and then this girl just walks away from her family um, as if it's just a normal thing that little eight-year-old girls do, and then somehow <laughs> ends up in downtown San Francisco at a maximum security science lab. Uh, it's unbelievable. The yeah. The logistical hoops they have to go through to 
to make that happen. I can barely navigate in San Francisco every time I go there for work. So like, <laughs> the fact that she is able to do it, no problem is, is like, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's, it's so cumbersome. It's like, um, what's that phrase they talk about? Like for TV writing plot blocking this it's plot blocking yeah. <laughs> the movie. It's just like, we just, the movie has to happen. Like any, any you're like, wait, why? And then all the answers to that is because the movie has to happen. And <laughs> that's, that's the yeah, logic yeah. they went with in this movie. The other thing about the lab that just boggles my mind, and this might be a bit of a nitpick and I'm sorry if it is, but when Ginny Slate decides that Eddie Brock needs to see this for himself, she, does the old classic, you know, hide in the back seat sort of thing, which I don't know how that works at this sort of maximum security lab. <laughs> right. Then they walk in the front door, walk past stuff. She opens this big door to the lab. He slides in and the security guard sees her basically do that and then says, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm just working late. <laughs> and you're like, what? And, uh, th- and then if, uh, we're just... I'm summarizing here, but but basically he gets the parasite and escapes somehow. And then there's no security footage to show him do this because the next half of the movie is Riz Ahmed trying to figure out who broke in. Yeah, um, it's, it's really crazy. I thought that, too, where I'm like, you would think they would have security cameras and they would know exactly who did this. And yet they're just like, who did this? How did he break out? We need to find <laughs> him. And I'm just like, what? Why? What? And then <laughs> they're... <laughs> And then they're like, who is the last guy here? And it's the security guard who talked to Jenny Slate. And without, because again, because all he would have to say is, oh, she was here. And then, you know, she would have been busted. But instead, before that guy can get a word out, he's, Riz Ahmed's like, you're fired. Like, really? Like, wouldn't you want to talk to him? Like, I don't know. It was, again, the the plot in this movie is is mind boggling at times. Oh, yeah. And that's what I mean is like, like what I mentioned before is just like, not not just like generic origin, but just like, uh, just so much just telling like there it's it's almost like the movie had no faith in the audience or or more so no. or, or even more so they just were like okay let's just cut it down to its bare essentials so everything is like a very directly like there there's no like subtle like loaded statements like everybody says exactly what they're feeling at any given time <laughs> or what's happening i'm sorry uh, Go ahead. No, go ahead. The line that that really cements that for me is when Riz Ahmed is talking to Jenny Slate when they're studying the specimens and they watch it basically destroy a uh, a, a bunny. And Riz Ahmed asks her, like, you know, why why can't it just bond? And she's like, you know, she gives this reason, says it has to bond. They have to be like uh, the right match for each other. And then Riz Ahmed looks at a doctor and says, oh, you mean like organ donators and how they have to have the same blood type and how you know sometimes organs are rejected and she's like yes exactly and i'm like wow they might as well just look at the audience and wink at that point like you know it's yeah Yeah, that's right that oh god i totally forgot about that that's how much it's evaporated from my memory and then i was thinking of like this the stupid like um because again the whole like not doing this without spider-man so it's like despite venom's you know, villainous slash anti-hero tendencies. Like they still had to make it like a hero's journey for this character because that's what these Mm -hmm. movies do. And so you have to have Venom like telling Eddie Brock is like, well, I'm kind of a loser on the planet that I come from. And so you're a loser too. And so that's why we bond well together. It's just like, and again, if it wasn't for Hardy's full commitment, you'd be like, wow, that that's a line. That's a line that actually happens in this movie. It's, it's uh... well, the, the, yeah, the setup for that is Hardy saying, why do you want to stay around or why are you helping us stop, you know, riot from bringing all the symbiotes here? And he's like, well, I'm kind of a loser. I enjoy being special. Like, really? That's his motivation? It's so it's, bad. It, 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 yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, that's it's and, like, and, why not? Yeah. Of course, sure. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show you all the, the stuff we're laughing at, except for that line, is, is all stuff where Tom Hardy isn't on screen um, because these characters are just, you know, ripped from the superhero archetype handbook. Um, it's you know the the evil villain the the girlfriend the you know nameless doctor who tries to help like all these are you've seen these characters a million times absolutely I mean um, I I'm not the first person to 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 say or think this and I think even Rod alluded to it in his 
review, but you know, there's been a lot of talk of this is like the the best movie that like 2003 never made, or, or you know, or something along those lines of just how like how dated the movie is also like from just like structure and how like kind of weirdly cartoony it is and how, uh, I mean, all the way to the like Eminem song that's in the credits that was written for the movie, <laughs> which, which is quite bad. Uh, it's just a bad song. Uh, or the fact that like it's corporate tie in is with like brisk lemonade. <laughs> like it's just so much of about it screams early two thousands. And it's, it's so, it's so strange. Even the special effects. Yeah. Like I was thinking about that today, actually on my bus ride home from work where I'm like, you know, like I was thinking about Spider-Man three, just because that's a movie that Venom has currently been in a movie. And, and I was like, you know, I don't, I haven't revisited that movie since 2007. I, I don't know how well the effects hold up, but I remember sitting in that theater and being like really wowed by how good the special effects were uh, at that time. And I'm like, they probably have like, while they're probably a little bit dated, I guarantee they've probably aged better than what this movie is in its current state. Like it, it's kind of it's kind of insane. It really is. The they did this on purpose too because uh, I, I assume they wanted him to be Venom be so shiny, but because they do that, he just looks so completely fake. Um, he looks like a composite put onto a real movie it's it's yeah it's just not good and and they look 10 years old the movie automatically looks 10 years old which is never good no it isn't and like you would think especially at the very least they could have done you mentioned that like he does look like a composite and at the very least they could have done motion capture like that that seems like number one like if if i was doing this movie like if i was in charge of this movie like just hypothetically that would be my number one it's like you'd look at what mark ruffalo does with the hulk and you would look what what uh andy circus does with thanos yeah thanos and you look at the what andy circus does with the the new planet of the apes movies and you'd be like we have to motion capture this character (laughs) we have to get the essence like if tom hardy is doing the voice for this character as well we have to get his movement we have to get every like that would be that would be number one to making this movie even like remotely successful and they don't even do that like there's no real it it reminds me of the two the two previous hulk movies the ang lee one and the louis leterrier one where it's just like it's so much weightlessness so much just like it, the thing could do anything and go anywhere but there's no real substantial weight to it it's just kind of flailing out there um and and again for 2018 that's just it's it's shocking that they were like this is okay to release out in the world this is fine in its current iteration and and it's a bummer because the the third act um which happens very abruptly which i i found kind of jarring just suddenly it's okay we're in the final bits right. you know it's hardly any build up um but in that that moment when uh Riz Ahmed reveals that he has riot uh he's bonded with riot from then on um the special effects are are horrible especially in that fight between uh, Venom and Riot, but even worse than that is the fact that you're never concerned. There's no real stakes because the whole movie shows you that Venom's basically indestructible um, if it weren't for sound and fire. They even say it in the movie. So he shot uh, dozens and dozens of times, absorbs all the bullets, no problem. He falls from great distances. He does all these things where you would normally kill a person. He's perfectly fine. And when he fights riot in the end he's literally stabbed through i don't know a dozen different places when he tries to like tackle him and venom just gets up from it there's it just feels like what's the point we know that these characters can't die so why are they fighting and then on top of that there's slow motion scenes where the two symbiotes are are losing their hold on the humans so you see the symbiotes fighting and the humans fighting and i guess it's supposed to be this like technological wonder but it's just very difficult to even understand what's going on yeah that and that was my back to my like huge disappointment about matthew libatique shooting this movie where i'm just like oh man his films have such like when he shoots something there's like a clarity to it and um, this is certainly not the case, uh, but like you mentioned, the pre-visualization, no. the pre-visualization. and 
yeah, it's just there's nothing there's nothing to that ending, and you know exactly how it's going to work out, and you know how it's going to be fine. The slow motion shots do the to the special effects even less favors than what were already done, yeah. Because then you could just you can see the fault. Like you said, the cinematography was to cover up the faults, and they don't even do that. <laughs> You're like, no, I, I can see the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's. The, the third act is bad. The first act's bad. You're really, when you buy a ticket for this movie, you're, you're really going to get that, that middle hour of uh, Eddie Brock and Venom banter is where you get your money's worth for sure in this movie. So totally. So if people do buy a ticket to the movie, then they should just sneak in about like 20, 30 minutes <laughs> into it. Just skip the whole first act. Um, and yeah. And just, just, just enjoy the, that ride. Like they're like, like we've we've said ad nauseum, there's something there. There's absolutely something there with the yeah. Eddie and Venom relationship, with Hardy's performance, what he's doing in this movie. There's absolute potential to build on that, which before we wrap this episode up, we have to at least talk about the post-credit sequence, which is, yes. of course, obligatory in these movies for them to be like, we're going to put the cart before the horse, even though like we're recording this on a Thursday night. We don't even know what Venom is going to do financially yet or if a sequel is even going to happen um but there is a post-credit scene and uh i'll i'll hand the reins to you mainly because i did forget the name of the actual like alias of this character but um i'll I'll, I'll let (laughs) i'll let you describe it well it's funny because i don't know if this has really happened before but in the final moments of the proper movie uh he hints that he has this interview and Michelle Williams says, Oh, who's this interview with? And he's like, Oh, you're going to have to read it and find out. And you're like, Oh, what's he talking about? It was a very odd thing to end the movie on. Then cut to this post credit scene. You actually do find out that he's going to interview a serial killer by the name of Cletus Cassidy, who um, comic book fans would automatically know as carnage. Um, And if you didn't know that that was carnage, he literally says the word carnage, and that's kind of the fade to black moment. And the, but even before that, uh, you are immediately struck by Woody Harrelson doing full-on country accent Woody Harrelson, but in what appears to be a clown wig, um, which is uh, jarring to say the least. That see, that's and it's funny. Like I didn't know. Um, like I for, I forgot Cletus was was. Um carnage's actual name and like you said the the fact that they actually say that line is so ridiculous but um but his like pink weird clown hair was what clued me in because it's like relatively similar to the color that carnage is or at least close on the color (laughs) spectrum so i'm like oh okay he must be the guy who becomes carnage and then uh and then yeah they weren't so subtle about it he's like well next time we meet there's going to be carnage or something like that you're just like yeah i think i think the line goes something like if i ever get out there out of here you better believe there will be carnage that's right like, oh goodness <laughs> but uh what do you, uh, so to to be the comic book nerd here uh carnage in the comics is cletus cassidy is a serial killer he is a redhead He's a very ugly person. He's always been drawn to be a very ugly person. Uh Um, No redeeming qualities whatsoever. His origin story involves pushing his grandmother downstairs and killing the family dog. This guy is just evil personified. And he is Woody Harrelson hamming it up with his like two or three lines. And even with all of that, knowing all that, you're just like, man, I wish the movie starts here. Yes. Um, because finally Tom Hardy has somebody to play off of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it makes you want that sequel so badly. That That is the rare, rare instance where I've left a movie that I thought was like pretty bad and yet wanted a sequel to it. Is that is that yeah. moment where you're just like Hardy hamming it up, Harrelson hamming it up together in a movie oh man you made the mistake of not making this this movie like you should <laughs> you should have just gone with it from there instead of like boring us and, with and this origin story <laughs> for sure and you get hints at this too because uh don't don't think that there are only two symbiotes in this movie there are four Um, And at no point do the other two get names or mentioned other than, you know, they're just shown to be in uh, captivity. Uh, So there there are even symbiotes in this movie that aren't utilized. 
um, that you're just kind of like scratching your head, like, why not? Let's just do it. Why, why hold back anything? Um, yeah, it just, it, again, it's one of the other things where you're just kind of scratching your head. Absolutely. And, and like I said, I've never hoped for a, never, I've never hoped from a sequel from a movie that I thought was not very good. Also, I've never really hoped that a movie that was not very good would have a good box office run, but here we are because I want I want that sequel with those two characters to happen and I feel like to be honest I feel like you know with the reception the movie's getting I mean we should you should at least mention before we wrap up that like you know it's getting pretty hammered by reviews the the reviews are not kind to the movie but almost everyone from the spectrum of I kind of enjoyed it to it's terrible uh is is pointing out that Hardy is the saving grace including us right here and so i feel like yeah. if the movie does well enough that sony would look at that and be like okay we got to put our eggs in the basket that is actually you know worth making a sequel out of this which is letting tom hardy do his thing and then ripping off woody harrelson i think that could be that could be a fun time so i hope it happens but uh i guess we'll see we'll see yeah, I uh, I am optimistic on the uh, the box office for this movie. I think a lot of people are predicting a, a, a big, obviously a big opening weekend and then a steep drop. And I think there's definitely the potential for a, uh, a very big drop in the second weekend. But I think this is going to trend more towards the Suicide Squad uh, side of box office where the reviews don't matter because the there is such an ingrained fan base for this character even with non-comic book readers like you said if you've been to a hot topic over the last decade you know who venom is if you you know collect any sort of toys or the funko pops or just any of those things you know who venom is so i think people will see this i think if my crowd that i saw with is any indication people are going to enjoy this um and you know people are more forgiving uh then we, when we think sometimes, because, you know, for us, if we see a lot of movies, we start to notice the flaws, but these people who are going to be paying money for this are the going to enjoy it. They're going to remember the laughs. They're going to remember Tom Hardy. They're going to forget about Riz Ahmed or Jenny Slate. Um, and, and ultimately when they go to their friends, they're going to be like, yeah, it's hilarious. And yeah, I think it'll do well. I think it'll do well for sure. Um, I will be interested to see, like I said, I'll be interested to see how it holds, but I don't think... You know, I don't think the movie has a lot of direct competition um, in the coming weeks. Like, I mean, there there are from like a genre oriented end because next week you have uh, Bad Times at the El Royale and then Halloween the week after that. But those are also R rated movies, and Venom is PG thirteen, uh, much to seems like a lot of fans' dismay. Um, there there was a lot of talk about that that the movie was going to be R rated, and then they're like, no, 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 no it was always going to be PG thirteen. Um, so there seems to be a lot of confusion over that as well. I will I will say about that. I, I think ultimately it's much ado about nothing. I think that the movie doesn't suffer from its rating at all, which is good. Mm-hmm. But I do tend to believe that there was always the R rating in mind. And once uh, Marvel Studios started to say, like, we're never going to integrate with a movie that's R rated, um, we'll see what they do with Deadpool. But that's another story. Uh, I think Sony just desperately wants to have spider-man in a future movie that they were willing to uh cut this movie down drastically to make that happen um but yeah i don't think ultimately the r rating or lack of r rating hurts this movie at all totally because a good movie is a good movie and a bad movie is a bad movie really regardless of what the rating is Mm -hmm. and um you know the movies like like we've said it's not particularly good uh with the exception of hardy as committed performance and um I, I'm with you in that, like, I look at the movie and I'm like, I don't think it, A, I don't think it suffered, and B, I'm like, would the R-rated really have made a difference on the movie itself? I don't think so, really. Uh, you would have had some more gore, you would have maybe actually seen those heads being eaten, but it wouldn't have added a whole lot to, like, the narrative. The narrative would have still been, like, really, like, kind of forehead-slappingly dumb for a lot of it, so... <laughs> I, well, I was, yeah, I was surprised at the amount of swearing in the movie, too. Yeah. Um, not to prudish but i was like wow this they're really swearing a lot in this movie um and so yeah i think the only thing that we're missing is like i alluded to earlier maybe that little girl killing some security guards on the way in mm-hmm. um some stuff like that but i think by and large you got the movie that what they were always intending on doing um just with less blood maybe 
but to mention the competition that you were talking about earlier, I think the the real competition at the box office is going to be Halloween. I think just because Halloween's going to be such a big movie, um, I'm guessing that just everything's kind of kind of suffer from that. Uh, however, you also got to look at uh, like next week, First Man. I think is hitting theaters that mm-hmm. could. Uh, take some screens. Uh, A Star is Born is going to hold really well in the coming weeks. And it's not going to be so much competition that that could affect the the drops. I think it could be the number of screens, how willing um, these theaters are for keeping 10 showings of Venom going. That's Um, a good point, actually. Because I was thinking like Star is Born and... um... Stars Born and First Man probably don't cut into the audience of this movie a whole lot, but you're right about the screen thing. And also, like, Stars Born is poised to have also a very huge weekend. And if uh, I'm seeing Mm -hmm. it tomorrow night, I can't wait. And if the movie is as good as people are saying, that's going to have some long legs. Like, that movie is going to outgross Venom domestically when all is said and done. I I have a hunch. Um... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Unless unless something crazy happens. yeah, the, A Star is Born is uh, going to be one of those dominating movies over the next couple weeks. Absolutely. Next few, four weeks, probably. Absolutely. And I do yeah. agree, like Halloween, I think Halloween's tracking like a 50 million opening, um, which would be massive for a 9 million budgeted movie like that. So it's, it's uh, yeah, that, it's going to, Venom has a rocky road in the couple weeks, but I, I think it's got enough cultural cachet. The Suicide Squad is a good comparison, um, though, God, for, this movie is... It's, I'll say what I want about this movie, but it's much better than Suicide Squad. There's no no doubt about oh, that. <laughs> for sure. Oh. It, as, as much as we're laughing at the editing and shooting of this movie, I think this is uh, leagues above Suicide Squad. Oh, it doesn't even um, compare. Suicide. Except I, I will say the only comparison I will make is that in Suicide Squad, you had a, a good performance from Margot Robbie um, that kind of elevated the schlock. Whereas everybody else was bad and there just wasn't enough Margot Robbie. And then it's kind of similar to this, except you get plenty of Tom Hardy. Absolutely. And also I just think narratively and editing wise and everything about that other movie, it's just an unequivocal disaster (laughs) and it's, and it's smug (laughs) about it too. And so it's just, uh, I don't even want to get on a tangent. I hate that movie so much. No, 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 we won't. (laughs) I I will say as far as uh, the predictions for a sequel on this, I think if this movie does 150 or more million domestically, I think Sony has a safe bet in, in launching a sequel to this. Of course, they're going to want it to do well overseas, but I think they just want just the modicum of success for them to say like, okay, we're good to go, you know, totally. um, because they're so desperate on keeping these spinoffs going. Absolutely. Um, I think that's probably a safe bet. Um, uh, do you have any other thoughts before we, uh, we start to wrap this up? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think, uh, I'm just looking at some notes I took here. Um, I again, they changed Eddie Brock quite a bit. We didn't really cover that, but oh, yeah, in the yeah. in the comic books, just real quick, I'll go over this. In the comic books, he's a direct rival to Peter Parker and is kind of a prick and is always made to be a prick. And then when he finally gets the Venom symbiote, he becomes even worse. And then it isn't until uh, the character in the comics got popular that they tried to make him more of an anti-hero. Whereas they kind of skip all of that with this and they make him a good guy who gets kind of a. Uh, an a-hole parasite who then they have to balance each other out um which i thought was fine i didn't really care uh but you know some people some purists might look at that as like kind of disappointing i guess totally and and i've mentioned this on this podcast uh before and and i guess i'll just reiterate it's uh it's all about adaptation so it's all about whatever fits the narrative of the movie uh for me i don't care if you know things are different than what they've been before as long as it fits the narrative of the movie and um obviously they were not going to make this movie with spider-man in mind uh i mean maybe in the future but they were you know not going to make it in this way with spider-man so they had to figure something out and um yeah well like i said well i don't think it's particularly good um i think like it's a much better outcome than i think most of us predicted and um I, yeah, I'd be interested in the sequel. I, I do have one quick thing before we wrap this up. Uh, I'm surprised there's no hints at this, like, Moebius movie that they're <laughs> hell-bent on making as well. 
So that movie is interesting. Just the character, again, if you watch the the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s, A, you definitely should go do it. And B, it really, they're really taking characters from that for these things. So uh, Morbius is a uh, a living vampire and Jared Leto is signed on to play. I thought, again, for sure, they would at least have a name drop or um, some, maybe that was the post credit scene. Uh, but yeah, no, no hints at that. So um I, I think what they were doing with this movie is they're just really playing it safe with the universe building mm-hmm. because they don't want to um, put the cart before the horse. And also they want to leave it open if Kevin Feige says, sure, hey, let's introduce Venom into the MCU. Um, so there's a little bit of both of that going on. But yeah, n- no hints to other Spider-Verse properties. Got it. And actually, like, last thing I will say, that is one thing uh, in, in addition to uh... – Hardy that I will say I liked about the movie is how toned down like fan service and universe building was um, because, you know, because we've seen so many other movies do that where they put the cart before the horse and then that sequel doesn't happen. And then they're just like the movie itself suffers. And like I said, I don't think it's a good movie, but they at least were like, we're going to make this venom movie. It's a venom movie. And then we'll figure out everything later. And, that is the right way to go about it. And so I, I do give them a lot of credit for trying to restrain it because we all remember the amazing Spider-Man two. Um, yeah. and, and I think again, despite the fact the movie's not good, I did think they learned their lesson from that movie to be like, okay, maybe we shouldn't, uh, you know, introduce all these things if it's no guarantee that it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and the only hint at, uh, further adventures are, are that post credit scene, which I think is fine. Yeah. Um, because, again, with the post-credit scenes, you don't have to watch it if you don't want to watch it. And um, I think even if there was never a sequel, just that little hint of what could be with Woody Harrelson is enough to get you excited, um, even if it never happens. So Totally. If not, you're like, oh, that was a fun little moment where yeah. Woody Harrelson got to chew the scenery for 30 seconds or a minute or, you know, however long. So um, I am all on board for Hannibal Lecter, Woody Harrelson, though. Like, bring it on. Let's yes. do it. Yeah, absolutely. That could be, like I said, I, I, I hope that I want to see that movie. And I really hope they, again, this movie's not a disaster. I hope they take the right lessons from it and go and make something weird and interesting and just let those two actors rip. You're going to have something good. Um, but yeah, I agreed. Think, agreed. I think I think that's probably a good spot to wrap this up. We've we've gone on. Um, it's funny before we were, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, this podcast. I thought I was talking to my wife, and I'm like, I don't know if I have a lot to say about Venom, but um, <laughs> yeah, it turns out we we actually did have quite a bit. So I'm glad. Um, so thank you again for for hopping on uh, this episode. Uh, I think this was a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait for the next one. And for our, uh, you know, once again, a little bit of housekeeping, uh, this show is part of the Playlist Podcast Network. Um, So if you enjoy this show, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. You'll get this show as well as Adjust Your Tracking, Over Under Movies, Indie Beats. Uh, Drop us a line, drop us a comment or rating. Let me know, let us know what we're doing right, what we can improve on. Um, With that out of the way, uh, once again, Charles, thanks for, for coming and chatting. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for letting me come on and chat nerdy stuff again. Absolutely. Oh, you're always welcome, man. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. I got that trailer.